bad and or sour grapes in the vineyard and confronting our own unconscious biases? What? Find out on today's A Critical Faith Podcast with Dr. Jane Holtzclaw from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln. Let's get started with today's passage from Isaiah 5, 1 through 11. I will sing a song for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do in my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. I have a chocolate bias. When I go to the ice cream shop, I gravitate to the chocolate items. Rarely will I try anything else, knowing in part of my brain that some of those other flavors could be very good. Recently, however, I've stretched myself a bit, and I've actually tried, with a full scoop, not just a taste, some other flavors, and have found that, in fact, there are things that are not chocolate that are worth the calories. But it was a bit of a struggle. I had to work past my bias, which has been there since childhood. Fast forward, and I'm preparing for my sermon. When I prepare for a sermon, I typically look at the scriptures and prayerfully pray into it, and then spend time just sitting with the scripture, reading it without an agenda to see how it speaks to me. And as I was reading the passage from Isaiah, for some reason, a passage from the book that I had been reading, White Fragility, popped into my head. And it had to do with how we tend to have unconscious biases that in turn affect our behaviors and our relationships with others. At first, I couldn't draw a connection. What does unconscious biases have to do with a story about a vineyard and good grapes that turn sour? But then it came to me. Bear with me and let me explain. There is a connection. In our passage today, Isaiah is lecturing to the Israelites in the form of a parable. Now, Jesus wasn't the only one to use parables in his teaching. Parables tell a story utilizing experiences and symbols that the people of the time are going to be able to relate to. In this case, Isaiah uses the image of a farmer and a vineyard, a grape vineyard, something the people are very familiar with. Grapes and wine were a big deal in that day. The farmer has taken great pains to prepare the soil and to plant beautiful plants. He has taken great pains to prepare for the harvest. But to the farmer's dismay, the vines produce only wild grapes. Now, some translations use sour grapes, but whatever it was, it was not what the farmer expected. There's no explanation in the scripture as to what happened. Why did seemingly good grapes go bad? But the farmer is angry, he's upset, and he destroys the vineyard. 
Isaiah then identifies the farmer to be God and the vines, the people of Jerusalem and Judah. His message, that God, despite God's plans and grand hopes for his people, is displeased with the sinful behavior of the people and disaster is in the future. But there seems to be something missing to this story. Okay, God planted the vines in fertile soil, but they failed to produce the expected fruit. What happened? Why did supposedly good vines go bad? And that is the missing link that I want to focus on. So let's take a look at what happens when we take that parable and extend it to ourselves. God nourishes us, the vine, and expects justice and righteousness, but we don't mature as God intended. Isaiah says, he dug it, the land, and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. So what gets in the way? I mentioned earlier that my thoughts wandered to the book, White Fragility. The author discusses the concept of unconscious bias and points out that our life experiences determine the way we view the world, the way we see our relationships, the way in which we determine what is just and righteousness. Those experiences all shape the lens through which we view our world, often in unconscious ways. But those unconscious beliefs can be one of the missing links between what God hopes and plans for, the good vine, and what actually happens, the wild or sour grapes. We intend to be nurturing, but what we say causes hurt. We intend to help, but instead make the matter worse. We may have an impression of someone's ability and relate accordingly, only, on the other hand, to find out that we had it wrong. We're distressed, but our attempts to fix the problem only make the problem worse. So what can we do about those unconscious biases, those unconscious thoughts that impact our behaviors? The first thing we need to do is acknowledge the fact that those hidden biases exist and that it's okay to have those unconscious biases, whatever they are. There's no way that we can be not biased. It's just the way we see the world, and it's formed by our, our family relationships, our living environment, school experiences, social experiences, work experiences. All of these experiences come together and form that background that impacts our behaviors. The problem is that when we have these biases that we don't recognize and lead to behaviors that we don't want, we can't fix a problem that we don't know that we've got. So back to my chocolate experience. If I hadn't paid attention to the fact that maybe there was some unknown reason back there in the back of my head that I always gravitated towards chocolate and had a strong bias against anything else, I probably never would have ventured and tried some of the other flavors, and I would have missed out on something. There's a Saturday morning radio talk show that I oftentimes listen to called Click and Clack. And these two brothers are fielding incoming calls from people about mechanical problems with their cars. And usually they've been to many other mechanics and haven't been able to solve the problem. And it's something kind of weird and out there. So the two brothers get together and they chatter back and forth and come up with ideologies for the problem that apparently actually solve the problem. But without identifying the underlying cause of the problem, 
you can't get it fixed. So what do we do? You know, once we identify there's a problem, that we've got a bias, or maybe we have some biases there that are affecting our behavior in a way that we're not happy with, what's the next step? Well, we need to be willing to take the risk and look at those biases, to take the risk and take a critical look at our inner selves, which may not be real pleasant, but we don't need to take that risk alone. God is there to guide us on that journey of growth. We may know in our conscious mind how we should feel about a given situation, but our unconscious scripting blinds us to the reality around us. We may know how we should relate to a person of a different race, for example, but our past experiences or lack of experience results in that subconscious feeling that alters our outward responses. When I was in Iraq with the Air Force, I served as a psychiatrist at a medical clinic in a forward operating base, which was on the front line. So we were receiving the wounded straight from the battlefield. There's a wartime code that you treat all wounded equally, whether it's enemy or friendly forces. And we quite often had both. We would have the enemy in a trauma bed, and right next to that trauma bed was one of our soldiers. The doctors, the nurses, the staff, we all had to be consciously aware of those subconscious biases that we had so that we could move past it and provide the same level of medical care, whether it was enemy or friendly forces. Again, we are not alone in that struggle. God is there to help us develop that insight that we need to have in order to see more clearly. A simple prayer can open the way. Lord, open my eyes to see what you need me to see. And finally, as we strive to work through our biases, we need to step out of our comfort zone and look through a new lens, the lens of the other, in order to understand fully their position. One of my seminary courses was entitled Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And as part of that course, we watched the documentary film entitled Five Broken Cameras. And it's a documentary about a Palestinian father living in the West Bank who planned to document the first year of life of his newborn son. But in the process of doing that, he ended up filming and documenting his community's nonviolent resistance to the Israeli soldiers who were moving into their territory. Now, that, that whole situation is complex, but viewing it through the lens of the Palestinian farmer and father brought a whole new powerful impression not conveyed through other media sources. Today is World Communion Sunday, and it's a time when we intentionally celebrate the fact that through faith, we are connected with people all over the world of different cultures, different races, all nationalities, all traditions, all languages, no exceptions. And we need to understand and work to change our biases, separate us from living into what God has intended for us, to join with all people as the body of Christ. Despite our differences, despite our conflicts, we are one in Christ. We are all equal in God's eyes, are loved by God, and are nourished by God. No exceptions. When we come to the table, we remember Jesus' words to his disciples as he took bread and broke it and gave it to them, and said, here, take, eat. 
This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In a similar manner, he took the cup and poured and gave it to his disciples, saying, Here, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for forgiveness of sin. Drink of it, all of you, and remember me. When we accept God's gift of bread and wine, we make a commitment to live into his intent for us, that we love others as we love ourselves. As Isaiah spoke to the people, he let them know that God had planted them and nourished them, but they had not developed as he had hoped. Likewise, God's intent for us is to live in justice and righteousness with each other, but we fail at doing so. We may consciously believe that we are just and righteous with each other. We may say the words, we may believe what we say, but our subconscious, our scripted experiences that form and shape us over the years, say something different and drive our behaviors. But we have the power to change. So as you reflect on the scriptures of this morning, I ask you to challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to take the risk of looking deep into your inner self, a look inside your soul. I challenge you to know and understand that missing piece that separates you from others and from God. And I challenge you to change. And God is there to help you and to help me. Thank you for listening to today's The Critical Faith Podcast. Please share these podcasts with your friends and family. And to find out more about First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved, check out and like our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska.